film is important to human culture. It gives us a view of the world through the eyes of the creative, misunderstood, and unknown. No matter what the genre, it exemplifies emotions such as love, happiness, pain, fear, and empathy. The most important part would be the representation we must see. Familiar faces and stories being told. That's what I think. So I say, support indie filmmakers. And if you're inspired to join the industry yourself, I say, get to it. You're now listening to Simply King. Yeah, it's gonna go a little bit like this. Check it. Falling in love with myself. Too many times I said hate. Too many times that I dwell. People said that I failed. People said that I melt. Fuck. Falling in love with my glow. Even when I'm in my low. Even though niggas stay broke. Even if niggas don't blow. I'm still shining my glow. Bro, they cannot limit my rebel. They be the ones to my trouble. They cannot judge my rebuttal. They cannot judge how I hustle. They cannot judge how I tussle. Welcome, welcome back to the Simply King podcast. I am Rodney Perry. And I know, I know, it's been a very, very long time for that. Given all the people who listen gracefully every week. Um, something to really just think about during the week. Something just, you know, to get their minds going and flowing. But I'm back. You know, I had to go on a hiatus just to get things together, improve the show, and just really give you what your time is worth. So, who do I have this week? It's some interesting, it's some interesting things that crossed my mind when I was sitting here thinking, who should I bring back when I come back? So I felt like never interviewed or quote-unquote had a conversation on my podcast with two individuals all at once. Who would these great two individuals be? Um, I'm a lover of film. I'm a lover of just most things creative art, actually. And these two ladies I met through a mutual through a mutual friend of ours, and they were just amazing. Blew my mind away when I stopped out. Everything else that they did past what we were speaking about. Um, and... They like to go by Amber and Ebony, but I love them as men, as you call themselves, the House of Jones. How you ladies doing? Good, how are you doing? I'm doing good, I'm doing real good. Um, ah, so where do I begin? How you guys been? How you, what, you, what y'all got going? Hi, Rodney. Um, we've been, we just wrapped up a short that uh, we shot last month. Mm-hmm. Um, in... Uh, we've been curating films for a film festival, uh, Lady Fest. Ooh. That will be screening films this month on the 17th of May. What's the film that y'all just completed? Can y'all talk about it? Can you say that again, Ronnie? I say, I say, what's this film that you guys just finished up? Can y'all talk about it? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, the film that we just did, it's about, what'd you say, three minutes, Amber? Yeah. It's about three minutes, so it's a micro short. Um, the name of it is Table Manor. Mm. And, and Ronnie, may I, may I curse? What kind of language can I use on here? Any type of language. Love. Yeah. So it's pretty much about um, a woman who her husband does not eat her pussy. Whoa, table manners, manners. Okay. There you go. There we are. I love it. And that. her best friend is pretty much just having a conversation with her, um, inquiring why they don't have a reciprocal sexual relationship. So it's just a conversation between two women about the lack of um, pussy being eaten. Damn. That's interesting. That's extremely interesting. I believe. I believe... 
that's the funny thing that that happens. I think it's a, a very slight epidemic within the male, uh, male side of things. Uh, you know, it's crazy because there's so many different like taboos depending on where you are in the world and like just how you grew up. I know so many men who still to this day are deep within their 20s and probably have done it, but still don't enjoy it. So that's that's a great thing to do. I'm glad y'all doing that. That's gonna help help a lot of men and women out right there. Okay. So. You say what? So we definitely hope so. We hope it's a narrative that can make people um, not only like, you know, enjoy if you laugh, but really think about their own relationships and reciprocity and how they look for them. Yes, yes, yes. It's very, it's very deep. And I think uh, the way, I feel like the way sex is always being portrayed is forever, forever in a very, very, almost, it's always pornographic. It's kind of hard for it not to be like this pornographic and unadulterated, just, just raw and just nasty. While it's more of a, it should be always sometimes broadcast in more of a way of, you know, uh, educational, uh, inspirational, um, just a, you know, outward expression of just love and all these different things. So I'm glad y'all doing projects like this. I believe it's spot on something that we just need to see. So just to jump right into uh, a little bit of the discussion, um, a lot of things have happened this, you know, this past week, a lot of things. And um, the first thing, I feel like, you know, start out with the good. Did y'all see Lemonade? I know you did. And tell me what you ladies thought. Um, I really liked it, um, especially the cinematography. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I thought it was, I wasn't really a fan of uh, Beyonce's first visual project she put out. Yeah. I thought it was fuller in the sense of uh, the arrangement of the visuals and the music, how that played together. I really enjoyed it. Mm. What about you, Ebony? Um, I'm still digesting it, mm. um, but my automatic um, feeling toward it is that I loved it because I, I get to see me, you know? I get to see my ancestors. I get to see, like, my aunties, Southern life. I think all of it is, like, something that we don't necessarily get to see all the time or quite often at all. So it's dope from that perspective, and it's just dope to see her as an artist uh, growing as well. But I'm, I'm really still digesting it. Like, I've only watched it one time, and I've read, like, a gazillion think pieces on it that were written, like, the day after it aired. Um, <laughs> so I think, I think more time is needed for me to just, like, really process it all. Okay. I enjoy it. So. Okay. Uh, what about um, it's, it's crazy because I think uh, a lot of my, like, just female friends who are fans that just love pop culture as a whole always come at me because they know I'm going to have an opinion on things like this. And for this mm -hmm. specifically, uh, honestly, I can say it's probably the first, probably the first thing I ever, like, watched or listened to, just consumed any way where there was, like, nothing for the male gaze. And, um... Mm -hmm. And that wasn't a bad thing. It's not like I was like, well, damn, you know, she could have, you know, been a little bit more risque, and then I would have really been like, well, yeah, you remember that part where her ass was out? I've never been that type to look for shit like that, but I've always noticed it. And I feel like mm -hmm. it's almost refreshing because it seems like, I feel like you don't have to force to do something like this, but the fact that she's being this, uh, or at least they've created some uh, very, very natural, very, very deep and emotional, and also, uh, a relatable thing, a relatable piece of art that I feel like if you're a woman, a black woman specifically, 
um, and not relate to it in some form or fashion, even if it's just a piece of it, it's kind of like, well, damn, I don't know how she missed you. Um, so because it would mean, I looked at it, I told my girl about it immediately. I know she's not a extreme Beyonce fan or nothing like that, but she even enjoyed it. So that told me that it really, she really made this for, you know, specific, specific, you know, demographic. And I, I love it. I'm with it. I, I don't know what happened to Beyonce to make her feel to, you know, give this type of art, but I love this wave she's on right now. I love it. But... Yeah, I think it's really, um... Mm-hmm. It's an art piece. And I think that's why um, it read to me. Because I was like, oh, I have 57 minutes. I can watch Lemonade. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I was totally into it. Into it. So. Into it. And I think it's interesting how... I love how people are dissecting everything that Beyonce does even more now. I feel like before it was kind of like they threw her in just around the same banter as, you know, every other person who had some great album or piece of work out. And now she's, you know, being spoken about in a very, very deep, um, analytical, almost political type of way. And I like it. I, I feel like those are the type of artists that I feel like everyone generationally love to hear and see and always going to be talking about because of just the art that they put out just the, what they stood for um, regardless of honestly regardless of if that's what she quote unquote truly is feeling or not because mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's the message you know like she really might be living a great life be doing good you know which is what I assume but she still may have these hardships she still is human and also she still sees what the, what the hell else is going on in the world? So, of course, I'm going to highlight all these different things. I feel like that's the thing when it comes to you being an artist of, of her caliber. You know, you kind of have a social responsibility to, you know, do something with your art and just really inspire people and let everyone else in the world know it's fucked up over here, it's so fucked up over there. There's something going on that's not right, and I'm going to say something about it. Um, second thing... Which is really, uh, I really didn't think this was going to come back in the news. And because you ladies are filmmakers, I would love to hear what your opinion is about it. And that was the Nina Simone biopic that they seemed like they were going to shelve and shelve for life and lock up and throw away the key. But evidently they found the need to bring it out. I'm not sure if you viewed it. Um, but the Nina Simone biopic with uh, Zoe Saldana, did you guys see it? I don't know it's out. Um, I I don't know that it is out yet. Is it or like? Uh... I believe I believe they were uh, testing in a few different places. Um, but they, they, uh-huh. they, they, the way they're speaking about it now, are, are making it seem like they're definitely trying to get a you know a theatrical release. And it's it, it, it's I think it's just because they're getting so much like backlash. That's why it's prolonging everything. It's been pushed back a whole bunch. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's, think it's been theatrically released yet, but they are going to release it. I do know that much. Yeah. What do you What do you think about that though? Because it's a lot of controversy, girl, you know, around. Yeah. It. Uh, my honest opinion, I think they would have been better off if they were not going to cast someone else. They would have been better off having Zoe Zeldania portray Zoe Zeldania, Nina, Nina Simone, instead of trying to do some type of special effects makeup extreme. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, if they were just going the route, Zoe's going to have this part, they would have just been better off having Zoe look like herself than trying to make her look like Nina Simone. That's real. Um, 
biopic in a sense. You know what I mean? I feel like I feel like Talk to Me was a great one. I feel like um Talk to Me was. I feel like with Don Cheadle, right? Yeah. Yeah, Don Cheadle. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I feel like the one with Jamie. Um, oh my gosh. Right. Uh, it was really good. Yeah, I don't know. It was good. It was really good. really good. Uh, miles ahead. Miles ahead. I've heard like dope things about. Um, I recently saw Confirmation. I thought it was really good. Confirmation too. Um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like that's the one genre we do well. You know, <laughs> not just, we do a lot of them. You know, you had you had the Jesse Owens come out this mm-hmm. year. We had uh, James Brown. Mm-hmm. We had yeah, a few years ago. Even on a even on a lower level, of moving to like Lifetime or something like that. I mean, we do a lot of films about you know famous black art um artists or influential black people or social activists. We do a lot of films on those topics. Um and they've been really good. We have we have a lot that are actually you have the uh, have the birth of a nation coming out, you know. So I don't yeah, I don't, I won't say we don't know just do. Mm-hmm. I just feel like in this situation I don't know that it just felt like the makeup was, was they were they were trying too hard, and I don't what they were trying to do. <laughs> but I thought in this situation that to me was a major flaw. I I think I came to that conclusion uh, really was because of uh, it seems like most recently, as you know, you know, just a lot of talk anytime someone you know has a you know biopic film in the in the ethers just speaking about you know what they're having together, and it's always you know this very uh back and forth positive and negative you know banter about exactly how well it's going to be or they better do it well and i think that's what uh, mm-hmm. made me come to that conclusion like i believe it was just you know you know when the whitney houston biopic i believe that was what through uh lifetime i think they did it and um several several other ones like with the tlc's and all these other things and i think it was in a in Elias especially just all those you know negative vibes I feel like well, uh, created when this when this film uh, came back into the limelight. I think that's why you know so much negative things came about, and I think that's that's really why um, I came to that conclusion. But I, I really respect that the outlook too, though. You you expect you exactly right. Um, yeah, even Twelve Years a Slave was based on true story. So um, my argument isn't necessarily about what we have too much of. Because mm-hmm. uh, I don't think that people of color can ever have too much of anything in film um, or television. Mm-hmm. Um, my argument is more so: a, who, who's telling these stories? Because I don't necessarily care about Anita Simone's film. Greatly, if a bunch of white people are behind it, so I don't give some talk about that. Word. Um, and then I really, really like to see people of color living in present day. I, I think that we're kind of alive right now. Um, Very much I think so. that we have <laughs> that are happening, you know, like in this time period. Um, it's not this time period. I think it's really cool to see us in the future. Um, and so I'm more so like, not that we have too much because we don't have too much, in my opinion. 
but occupying various spaces just as our white male counterparts do. Because um, their stories go to the future, their stories go uh, back to history, um, present day. And just as a filmmaker and, and a creative, I'm going to naturally always tell about people of color, black women, because that's what I am. I just want to see, see me, us, occupying more spaces. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm here for yeah, just more spaces. Everyday space. I feel like those films are... I just don't want every film to be like a black history lesson in the sense of this is a black history film. Because <laughs> we're learning about a black figure that, you know, people might not know about. You know, <laughs> like, you know, you want to hear, you want to see some sci-fis or some fantasies or different type of narratives, everyday narratives uh, featuring black people and like Ebony said like you know we we are here now we do exist you know and we have everyday stories that just don't get told or exposed hmm. and I, I think you know one thing that you uh, you said Ebony about just you know who's telling the story I believe uh, that has a lot to do with uh, a lot of things missing I believe you know you know definitely like the things that do get greenlit the things that are, you know, we always hear about or we just, you know, want certain people, certain filmmakers that, are, you know, have accomplished oh so much, but we only know if they had, you know, that full support in every single way, just what they could do on just, you know, on television and just film. Um, because I just think about certain certain things that have came across like TV that uh, have always, you know, I've always sat there and wondered, like, who cares about this story? Like, I don't give a damn about six white people in New York drinking coffee, you know, you know, just going through wherever their mundane lives lives are because it's kind of like I don't know anyone that I can even relate that to. Like even if I had like a you know a group of white friends, I can be like, oh, you guys are just like friends, but that wasn't the case, and I knew no one who could you know just all all out relate. Um, just found it slightly entertaining in some form or fashion. Same thing with Seinfeld, you know, it was really you know a show about nothing, but I've like seen so many things about how it was, you know, one of the best, you know, best written shows. And I'm like, oh, I feel the comedy, but in the sense of, I guess, just purpose and just, and all those different things, I feel like if something like this can be made in Greenlit, I know there's a lot more, you know, a lot more stories with just brown people in them that can, you know, give that shot. And, um, and I feel that now, I think they're seeing uh, exactly why that, uh, why that presence. Um, is definitely needed. What do you guys think about this whole, you know, quote-unquote uh, resurgence of, I guess, black shows and on TV now? Oh, you want to take that one? Okay. Resurgence of black shows on television? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, well, I think that everyone's thriving in television right now, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I don't think it's a black thing. Um, but, you know, we have seen more, uh, more of our narratives on television that are healthy. So we get options. I just think that's what it is. We, you know, we just got some options. We just got options. Like, I just want to be able to flip from, you know, channel 43 to channel 2 to channel 5 and, and see that I might can just see myself on, on various channels. So it's just about creating more options. Uh, you might not fuck with, like, the, I don't know, the, the, 
the film festivals that you're a part of, like whether they're worth your time or not, because they're just the film festivals I won't do anymore at all. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, and so I think just like doing doing your personal research to see where you want to go as far as like a creative and an entrepreneur. But I'm always kind of trepidatious when we talk about like the whole like who's not giving me what type shit because I'm like I'm like you know black girl magic every fucking day so I don't want nobody to give me shit I just want to be able to create and have an opportunity I guess to show my work as my peers who are not the same color or not the same sex but I ain't really stressed about this whole give me part because we don't we don't make it it's, it's gonna be okay <laughs> <laughs> I love that I love that what about what about you Anna? I'm sorry, Roddy. I say, I say, what about you? What do you think about that? I'm kind of... I agree. I mean, I don't think this is something where people just give you, you know? Mm-hmm. So you got to create, you know, and work for what you want. You got to have your own money to create at first. You know, it's mm. costly. It's costly to do what we're doing. And I don't think they came to a surprise to, to us at all. Um, Definitely not. You know, you don't eat as much one day. <laughs> um, you know, you're going to lose some weight. You go shopping. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're an artist, you're going to always find a way to create. Always. Uh, we just had an art installation in the West End. Mm-hmm. Um, and we showed our film, like, inside of a tent. You know, and if that isn't fucking, like, grassroots, like, we're artists. Then I don't I don't know what it is because we didn't have to be in a, the, a theater to show our film. We didn't have to be at a um, film festival to show our film. We showed it in a tent, and it was really super dope. And it taught us, I think, a lot about like exploring different ways to show our work and to touch community in different ways. Because everyone's not going to come out and pay for tickets, but that doesn't mean that they want. That doesn't mean that they should not be able to see themselves reflected on a big screen. Yeah, I love that. I love that. How, um, I guess, how important, you know, just as not only just as filmmakers, but just as viewers, um, is like accurate representation within film. How important is that to you, or it really just it's all about the story? I feel like it's very important. Um. I don't know. It feels like it's focused on paying them in the sense the story is just as important. Mm-hmm. I don't. I say I say that because um, and I'm not sure how, how big of a fan because I'm you know, I'm a I'm a do do sometimes and I, I grew up definitely loving comic books and I got into a Twitter beef once. You guys you guys tell me what you guys think about this and um, it was the root who actually wrote an article about um, a new. Um, Netflix series that's coming out called Iron Fist. Now, the Iron Fist is a comic of a, the, the specific character, like the main character is a superhero who basically has these mystical Asian powers. Like, it's specifically that. Like, he got all of his powers from this, this Asian source. He's a Buddhist. He's a millionaire. I think he, like, got all his money from, like, different type of, like, technological, you know, advances, him being in a tech company. And, um, 
he's like all, all these things around him are very very quote-unquote asian um and the root basically wrote saying you know it would be a great time you know during this time if you know they actually thought to you know add some diversity into this uh role and essentially you know it was so many people who was you know saying you know yelling out well, that's not how he originally was. He was white dude at first. What's the reason to change it? Why change it? And the root combated that with um, saying that the character Nick Fury within the, this, these large Avengers movies that's been, you know, blockbusters, um, was originally a white man. And Samuel L. Jackson is now playing that character, and it's never, it definitely hasn't dampened or taken something away from from the character itself if anything is you know added a different style to it um what do you think about that because i feel like i basically going back and forth with this person like you don't understand it's just you know a sense of if you have the opportunity to not redefine what the character is but literally just change the color of him do you really think that's going to make a big deal and this guy was really yelling at me saying well you know twitter fingers saying you know this this is not right they're going to mess up the whole damn quality of it Shit like that doesn't work. Blase, blase, blase. And eventually I just stopped tweeting. And what do you guys think about that? That's, and I think that's what made me think about the question of representation. Like, it is something that's fictional, so it's not like just tarnishing something, but in the, just giving a different um, viewpoint. Well, in that particular, that story, that project, um, I mean, I saw the original film. Mm-hmm. All the Man with the Iron Fist. So I think for that, to me, that's not a stretch, really. Mm-hmm. And I would think people would have made that, you know, correlation between that that project. I was just about to ask, is this based on the film, like, the Rizzo? No, uh, no the Rizzo that's, that's two different things. Two different things. Yeah. But he had the you know, Iron Fist, and mm-hmm. he used it in a battle. So I saw that. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a fantasy. It is. Yeah. And I think it's, I don't know, it's kind of, you know, double-edged in the sense of, okay, my favorite comic book character would be someone from X-Men. Mm-hmm. If they cast casted someone that wasn't black, I I probably would be upset. I would be honest with you, I probably would be upset. Who she is as far as, like, where she comes from mm-hmm. is really a part of her character. True. Very much so. So you're African. Yeah. So we say, girl, no, she can't be from some Sweden. <laughs> she can't. And that's and that's and that's exactly what I'm saying. It's like everything else about the character is very, very Asian. So it's kind of like it's not in a stretch to think about, you know, the action because you that's the only thing you would literally be changing about this character, uh, you know, from live you know, from a comic to live action is him being you know, a different complexion. And it's kind of, and that's been done too. That's been done and it found success within that from a comic standpoint, but they haven't done, and the only example of that has been Nick Fury from a, I guess, a live action movie standpoint. Was the original character uh, Asian? The original character was white. But that's, that's, what, that's what the whole discussion was about. Like, this would be a great time for, you know, to, you know, if you wanted to add some diversity, because the whole thing is leading up to be kind of like a team up, you know, uh, type of show on Netflix with Luke Cage and Jessica Jones and Daredevil and Iron Fist. Yeah. And in my mind and why I felt, you know, 
kind of like related to the actual article was that, you know, it was like, damn, that will be a dope ass team. You know, you got Daredevil, you have a, a disabled white man, you have this, you know, uh, very strong female role. You have this very, you know, very large, you know, domineering black man, this alpha man. And then you can have this extremely, you know, extremely wealthy, successful, and also uh, very spiritual character being an age man. And I feel like, I don't know. I don't know. I think it could have been a dope thing to do. That could have, you know, been very, you know, colorful. Could have been a damn near a new, uh, you know, Captain Planet of some sort. That's how I was seeing it. But the person I was talking to, he didn't agree with me. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like, uh, like was it Johnny Storm from the Fantastic Four? Yes. Uh, the the kid from Fruitvale Station played him, yeah, and he's Jordan. like, and people were pissed about that. Very. Pissed. Um, but then again, it's a comic book character. I feel like I don't. I don't. I don't know. I get why we, we do it, like representation. We want to see our faces in different stories. And y'all, y'all got a lot of comic book characters. <laughs> that's what, that's, that was my whole argument. It's like, bro, it's been so many Superman-like ass people. Like, it's been somebody who has been white in some form of fashion. It would not hurt for this to be this one person to be something else. The fact that we have to do it that way in itself is a problem in addressing an issue, you know? So, I mean, y'all gonna be okay. Y'all got, y'all got a lot of kind of good characters. I don't think it's like that big of a deal that Johnny Storm is black, got, you know? Got plenty. Everybody got plenty. As it were, is black. So, yeah, you like... I, I love the whole like storyline they made behind that. They made them like adopt a brother and sister and everything, you know, to make it fit and make sense. But yeah, I, I think I think it's fair. I think so too. I think so too. Yeah, I, I, I see if you were to do like George Washington as a black man, outside of if he's not George Washington Carver. I mean, I I, I get that. I get it. <laughs> I get that. But that's a real but person. It, <laughs> You know, a superhero, a fantasy, some, a fiction character. No. Like people was pissed about the whole Flint thing with Super with Star Wars. Like, they was like, oh my God, they can't have a, a black main character. And it's kind of like, this. I feel like in that moment, it was interesting because it was like, I don't think y'all really even know the man who created this. You know, a lot of people forgot, you know, who George Lucas' wife was. And who George Lucas' wife is. And it's kind of like, if anything, this man definitely has probably pondered this, may have wanted to do this even earlier. And doing it now is exactly the way he wanted the story to go and exactly where the story came out to be. But um, last last and least, uh, I would love, I would love to, you know, for you, you two ladies just to, anybody else out there, because I feel like there's definitely going to be uh, an emergence of even more, you know, filmmakers in the world of all creeds, colors, coming from all different types of backgrounds. Just tell, just give anyone who's listening, who may have that, you know, that talent that they just got hidden, hiding, 
you know, forever writing, forever looking at all these different films, studying up. Give them some type of, I guess, words of encouragement on how you guys started and how they can get into their own types of, you know, art, producing their own art as well. I hate giving the just do it speech. But it is a just do it. But it is a just do it. I used to hate that too. I'm going to digress just a little bit. Because when I used to like go places and see people who were doing film, what I wanted to do, and I'd be like, hey, y'all, you know what I'm saying? Like, how you do this? And they'd be like, just do it. And I'd be like, bro, you are so stingy. It's not really like a, it's not really like, I don't think like a list of anything you can tell people to like hit A, B, C, mark. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's different for everyone. But how Amber and I, like, as a collective, how we met was through school. Um, and so we met, we had a class together. We talked. I found out she did some shit I didn't do. She found out some, I did some shit she didn't do. And, you know, we actually, like, vibed and liked each other. And I thought her jokes was funny, you know. And she thought my jokes was funny. And it was like, oh, hey, girl, let's do this. So that was just super organic. Hey girl, hey. But this, I'm sorry. I'm not saying hey girl, hey. Yeah, just hey girl, hey. But on some personal artist shit, I think that it's always important to study what you want to do. Um, you know, read books. Books are still available. Um, watch film if you're a filmmaker. And I tell, especially a lot of like POC filmmakers, don't just watch the shit that you can quote lines from. Like, don't watch the shit that, like, you have all the DVDs at home and you watch it with your friends. Watch the shit that is going to challenge you to think outside of, like, what you like. Like, you watch it that you hate and digest it mm-hmm. um, and take make it in. Uncomfortable. Yeah, make yourself super uncomfortable. Watch foreign film. Um, and I don't mean just city of God, y'all. <laughs> I don't mean just city of God. We gotta just, I know that's on our top five. I love it too, but this ain't or whatever. But watch things that like are so unfamiliar and are so uncomfortable, and so that you can properly reference those things when you're in conversation, um, so that you can be a part of the conversation, and to just kind of like open your palate up to shit you didn't even know was there. When I when I say just do it, it's really like. Start writing a story, go film something, and just keep practicing and practicing your craft. And then people take notice, you know, people ask you to be on set, you know, just build up your resume and network. Networking is a really huge thing. I hate to network, but it's necessary. Just, and that's what it means, just do it. Just start making film, and then it becomes a thing when you work hard at, hard at the craft. Like, things just come your way. In a sense, you know. Mm, that's amazing. I love it. I love it. So, let everyone know where they can find you, where to keep up with the House of June, and all things. You know these, these ladies, you know, locally in Atlanta, Georgia. Still, so definitely look them up if you're in Atlanta listening to this. You know, if they got something going at your local, at your local theater, got an event going, they got a you know, fun or whatever it may be, support that shit right now. Look them up. Let them know where they can find you. Um, on social media, um, we're The House of June. 
Um, we're currently working on um, putting our website relaunching it again, and it will also be the House Agenda. We'll have follow-up information regarding that on our Instagram and Facebook, and that is the House of Gems. Mm, I love it. I love it. I, I will say that I love you. I love you ladies for all the things that you've done and are still going to do in this world because it's a great thing. And I, I'm, I'm forever inspired by the words, the, the words and the visuals. They're amazing. And, and also, I feel like it's just needed. You just need these things in every day just for people to just really stay inspired no matter what lane that you're in. If you're in photography, if you're, you know, just some type of, you know, uh, writer of some sort, writing a book, if you're, you know, a painter, a craftsman, whatever it may be, I feel like, you know, visuals and just great word language always inspires people the easiest. Um, but if you don't know now, you know, you can listen to the Simply King podcast anywhere. Podcasts can be streamed from SoundCloud to your iPhone, all the way to Stitcher and also the TuneIn radio app. And also you can check out everything else that I got going on lifeisking.com. Thank you all for listening. I love y'all. Talk to y'all again next week. 